this morning, the worship leaders are going to be sharing about worship. So we've titled this this message today is uh, How to Worship the King. Um, so the past couple months, I think we started in the summertime, um, I've been going through some training with the worship leaders, and we've been going through a training called How to Worship the King by Zach Neese um, from Gateway Worship Church in Texas. And so 
today, a lot of, most of our notes and what we're going to share is what we've taken away from this uh, teaching and from this message. And we just really feel it's important to just share with the church um, about what worship is, what praise is. And there's so many different, different words of praise in the Bible. And we just want to bring some truth and insight of what we've been learning. And so... Um, uh, to start with today, though, I'm going to talk about identity, and this is so key to worship. And um, before I start that, I just wanted to just say that over the years and growing up in the church, I really do feel like there has been maybe a little bit of misunderstanding when it comes to worship and what worship really is. And I really feel like God is doing something um, in in worship, even across the whole world, I really feel like that people are coming alive in worship, and and there are revelations happening. And I just feel like this is just going to be a great morning for the church today. But um, even in the past, um, visiting other churches, growing up in the church, I really feel, and it's not to criticize the way that we are set up in the church. Every church is usually there's a platform and there's chairs facing the platform, but there has been in the past, you know, some, um, you know, the audience, like you guys feel kind of like an audience and you're watching people perform up here sometimes. It probably can sometimes be a little bit distracting. And even for the people up here, I think that sometimes we can get distracted. The enemy likes to distract uh, worship team members and um, where we actually kind of feel like we are performing, but we're not. That's not what worship is. And so... Um, this morning, what I want to just start with is um, our identity. And who you are determines your understanding of what you do. And sometimes we get this backward, backwards. We think that what we do just determines who we are. And so, you know, whether we are um, teachers and nurses, doctors, um, pastors, uh, piano players and guitar players and drummers, it, sometimes we, we actually title ourselves by what we do. And who we are determines what we do. We are children of God. Number one, we are children of God. So that's my first point today. And in Galatians 4, 6, it says, and because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And I think it's pretty amazing that when Jesus, if you think about it, before, in the whole Old Testament, before Jesus walked on the earth, everyone referred to God as God. The very first time that anyone heard anyone call God Father was when Jesus said, My Father. And he was coming to restore relationship. If you are born again, then you are a child of God. And only a child can have deep intimacy with the Father. But only a priest can lead others into intimacy with the Father. So my next point is, I am a priest. Adam and Eve, I'm just going to talk a little bit about Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were different from any other creature that God created. God made them out of two elements. And he took a handful of dirt, it was a handful of clay, and he formed man. And then he breathed his breath into man. So man was made of two elements. He was made of earth, and he was made of spirit. 
only a creature made of both of these elements can relate to both, right? We are made of earth so we can relate to the earth and made of spirit to relate to spirit. Man is created to hold the hand of God and hold the hand of earth to be a living intersection between heaven and earth. In Genesis 2 verse 15, it says that God placed man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. The word watch means to guard, and the word tend from, comes from the Hebrew word of God, which means to serve. And the, the Levitical term is to priest. So if you say it this way, Adam was made of earth and spirit and put into the garden to priest creation. As long as he held on to both God and he was man, creation flourished. But when Adam sinned, he let go of God's hand and everything under his care suffered. So the entire story of the Old Testament is God working to reestablish relationship with man. And that is the purpose of him choosing the nation of Israel. And he, he, Israel was his people, and he, he called the, the tribe of Levi to serve as priests. They were set apart. And when they failed, God sent Jesus. Jesus, his mother was Mary. She was from the earth. And his father was in heaven. So Jesus was also made of earth and spirit. Jesus is the intersection between heaven and earth. In Hebrews 8, it talks about Jesus is our high priest. He has, given, he has been given a ministry that is far superior than the old priesthood, for he is the one who mediates for us a far better covenant with God based on better promises. And in John 3, Jesus tells Nicodemus, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. In verse 5, he said that you must be born of both water and spirit to enter into the kingdom of God. We must be born again the first time man is born of earth. The second time when we are born again, we are born of his spirit. This is, there is so much in the word of God about the priesthood. The Old Testament and even the New Testament mentions the priesthood. And there's so many details, I wish we could get into it, of what the, the priests would do. But we're only going to just mention a few. But just as I said, if, whenever I say the word priest, I want you to think of holding the hand of earth and holding the hand of God. We are, just as Jesus was the intersection, if his spirit is in us and we are Christians, we are born again and we are believers, we are the intersection. We are priests. And in 1 Peter 2, verse 5 and 2, verse 9, Peter says, we are God's chosen people, a royal priesthood made to declare his praises. The apostle Paul was not talking about pastors and staff members of a church and special people. He was, Paul was talk. Peter was talking about new believers in Christ. All right, so we're going to 
uh, oh, and I was, I also had the scripture verse, Revelations 1, verse 6. Jesus um, has made us to be a kingdom of priests, to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. You are a son and a daughter, but you are also a priest. Amen? Okay, so now what does the priest's job look like? And like I said before, there's many jobs that they did. They served in the tent of meetings. They served. But there's one verse I want to have, Deuteronomy 10, verse 8. There's three job descriptions in in this passage right here. It says, At the time the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi to carry the ark of the Lord's covenant and to stand before the Lord as his ministers and to pronounce blessing in his name, These are their duties to this day. The priest has three jobs. Did you guys hear it? The first one is to carry the presence. Their job was to carry the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant represents the presence of God and the throne of God on earth. Our job, number one, is to carry his presence. We know that his spirit dwells in us, and we are the temple of his spirit. But no matter where we go or what we do in this world, we are carrying his presence, and we are setting up meeting places for people. So it doesn't matter where we go. We can be at the store. We can be at our jobs. We can be in this place, but it doesn't matter where we are. We can set up a meeting place for people to experience the presence of God. And number two in that verse, it says that they stand before the Lord as his ministers. Number two, we are to minister to the Lord. Our job is not to minister to people. We serve people, but we minister to the Lord. Worship is ministering to the Lord. And number three, the job description in that passage in Deuteronomy, it says that they pronounce blessings in his name. So number three, bless the people. Bless the people doesn't mean that we make people happy. This pronouncing blessing is something that it's different. When they pronounced blessing on people, they actually seen people as God sees them. We have to see people from God's perspective. We bless someone, we see them with prophetic eyes. We see them what they can become, not who they are now. We see them and love them as if they are already there. This is how God sees us. He sees us seated in heavenly places. He sees us as new creations in Christ Jesus, even when we mess up and fall short in our flesh. He already sees us as a new creation. He sees us in Christ. And I was, I was going through this. I just want to challenge parents today. I really feel like this is the same thing with our children. This is so important for young people that we don't treat them according to their behaviors but according to who they are and who they are becoming. We still discipline their behaviors and their actions 
when they make mistakes. But we need to see them with the eyes that God sees them and their potential of who they're becoming. And I just wanted to tell a personal story. Um, before I got married, I was a nanny, and I was um, with this one family. And uh, I think I, I can't remember how long I was there. Anyways, the one son, he, he was a challenging child. <laughs> and um, it, was, it was really difficult. And this is a time when God really spoke to my heart the power of our words. And I just had this revelation. I will never forget this. He was misbehaving, and I think I sent him to his room, and I can't remember what I was doing, but he came up to me, and he said, I'm a bad boy. And I had already heard his parents talk to him. And it was something from that moment I always vowed that I would never call my kids bad. (laughs) He kept saying, I'm a bad boy, I'm a bad boy, and so he actually behaved very badly. But I remember this moment with him. He was misbehaving, and he said, I'm a bad boy. And I got down on my knees. I looked right into his eyes, and I called his name. And I said, you are not a bad boy. You are a good boy, and I love you. And I said, you misbehave a lot, and you don't listen very well. I said, but you are a good boy. I tell you, I, it was like a miracle. He turned around. He ran and got the broom and started helping me clean the house. He helped me make cookies that day. He was like this perfect angel. And I just kept loving on him. And right there, God just really revealed truth to me of the power of our words. And I was amazed of what I was seeing. He He was a different boy when he was around me after that. And I just kept just giving him just, I love you. You know, you're amazing. And when his mom and dad got home from work that day, He was a different boy again, and it breaks my heart. And I vowed that day that I would never call my kids bad. And I want to challenge us today to be careful what you're saying to your children. And I don't care if they're newborns or if they're having babies themselves and you have grandbabies. Let's bless our children. Bless our children. It doesn't matter what they do. There's many times I tell my kids, You've messed up really big, but this is not who you are. And even when they, what they're doing, even the good things. I've told Zach, he's a hockey player. He's playing hockey in Winnipeg. And I've told him so many times, Zach, this is what you do, but it's not who you are. Don't get your identity from what you do. But for our children, I want to challenge you today to bless your children. They are precious. God has destinies for them. He has purpose for them. And with our words, we can, we can speak life or blessings. The word of God says life and death are in the power of the tongue. And I just want to challenge us to do that with our children today. That even if your children lies, they are not a liar. They've lied, but that's not who they are. So that's just my challenge today. So let's go through the five things. Number one, I am a child of God. I am a priest. So when you think of priest, we relate to earth. But when we are born again, we are holding the hand of God. We are spirit. And we are from the earth. So we can minister and we are intersections for people to experience the presence of God. Amen. So we carry his presence. We minister to the Lord. And we bless the people. Amen. We're going to watch a video.
that each church has its own worship style, you know, which is cool. Some people are more expressive in worship, some people more subtle, and it's all good. Um, I go to a church that's pretty expressive in worship. It's, um, it's a hand-raising church. That's what it is, right? That's what, you know. Anybody here go to a hand-raising church? Anybody here? Sweet. Who here does not go to a hand-raising church? <laughs> Some of you are trying. You're like, I can't. I want to. I need to get some momentum. <laughs> totally cool. But hey, if you're not used to going to a hand-raising church, you want to go and join us, feel free to join us, but don't feel like you've got to join right in, okay? Start slow. We've got a lot of different hand-raises that we use. We actually have names for our hand-raises. So I'm going to walk you through real quick, okay, what they are, just to let you know. Say you're at my church, music is rocking, start slow, hands in the pockets, little elbow flap, you're fine. Very subtle, get warmed up, get your heart rate up. When you're warmed up, start with the first one. Ready? Carry the TV. Carry the TV. That's our first one. Very subtle. Go to big screen. Big screen, a little wider. Next one's my fish was this big. My fish was this big. If you're a liar, you can go out there. That's fine. Don't worry about it. Jesus loves you. Grace. Next one's hold my baby. Hold my baby. Got dueling light bulbs. That's our next one, dueling light bulbs. Got goalpost. Everybody knows goalpost. Throwing a heartburn. A lot of people like to do heartburn. Double heartburn, right back to goalpost. What's my favorite? Mufasa. Mufasa, that's my favorite. The circle of life. Tim, can you go higher? Yes, you can. You can take one hand, go a bunch of different stuff. Pointer, hatchet, schoolroom. <laughs> Release the doves, give the Lord a high five. Press it out. A lot of women like to wash the window. Wash the window. <laughs> and when you're comfortable there, go for the big three. Village people, Rocky, touchdown. There you go, there's your big three. Praise God. Do you want to try that? <laughs> yeah, the wash window. It's, it's really hard to top that one, but I am coming right, right after him, so <laughs> praise God. Yeah, I really, I really thank God for this, um, for this opportunity and this, this you know, I would actually like to call it a move of God in our midst. And just, just seeing us grow in, in worship, grow in praises to God. And like Tara said, uh, it's just been an amazing session, the training that, that we went through. And a, a lot of the things, like everything, um, is, is really from everything that we learned for that, from that train, training. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm a little nervous because... Uh, I'll, I'll just confess, I was careless this morning, and I, I lost my sermon note. <laughs> so, I'm winging it this morning. <laughs> oh, guess what? He showed up. Praise God. 
Thank you. <laughs> Ain't that amazing? <laughs> you know, <laughs> that in itself, and this is totally off script, but you see what just happened right now in itself is a testimony to what God does when you come into his presence, abandon all your problems, and just worship him. I could have come up here this morning when worship was about to start. Oh man, I lost my sermon notes. And then I could have been all sullen face and sad. But you know what? When worship was about to start, I just told myself, can't find it, can't find it. God is in control. Just worship. Amen? So, back to the notes. <laughs> and yeah, thank you so much, whoever found that. I really, I really appreciate that. Um, this morning I've been taxed to talk about praise. And um, we're just, we're just going to be going through. I, 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 I tend to like to ask a bunch of questions um, because I believe it, it helps us to think. You know, not just someone telling us something. And the first question that I've got here this morning is, what is praise? I know that we, we talk about it a lot, we hear about it a lot, praise and worship. But what is praise? And the first definition that this definition I would give is actually a dictionary definition. So it's, you know, it's what praise is. It says praise is the expression of approval or admiration of what someone has done or their characteristics. Keyword, expression. And my next question is this. Is praise important? Yeah? And my answer to that one will be coming from the Bible. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, if I can have that up on the screen. It says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, or his wonderful light. Praise God. I don't think God will call us out to praise him if praise was not important. Amen? I do not think that God will call us out to praise him if it wasn't important. And then the second um, point to back up the importance of praise, we'll find that in Genesis chapter 29. Well, I, I'll get there. But I'd ask us this question, or I'd say, let's comp complete this phrase. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of, let's say it together. Come on, we can be more, you know, engaged. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Judah. How many tribes do we have in Israel? Yeah, 12, 13, there's a the, there's the half tribe. 
But the question I would ask is this. If we have so many tribes, why did Jesus choose to come through the tribe of Judah? Why Judah? Judah wasn't the first. Reuben was the first. Right? And Judah wasn't the last. We could have said, oh, maybe he was a favorite son. But why Judah? You know, I was, it was in the process of studying these that it actually dawned on me. Um, I just want to run through, again, uh, Genesis chapter 29. We can see a lot of that in there. But I just want to go through some of the names. Reuben, at the time he was born, he was given that name because his mother said, the Lord has seen my misery. Do you think Jesus would have wanted to be called the lion of the tribe of? Yeah, you complete it. <laughs> Simeon, his mother said, because the Lord has seen that I am not loved. Levi, because his mother said, now my husband will become attached to me. And then he gets to Judah. And his mother said, this time I will praise God. And Jesus chose to be called the lion of the tribe of praises. Because Judah directly translates to the word yada, which we learned from our training, which directly translates to lifting up of hands in praises to God. So if Jesus and our Lord God Almighty could have seen it fit that the Messiah of the world had to come through the, through the tribe of praises, I dare say that praise is important to God. Amen? And one thing that I like about God, uh, I think the first, the first time that I gave any message here, I mentioned this, is that God never tells us to do things just for the sake of telling us to do it. There is always a benefit or benefits from doing the things that pleases God or from doing the things that God wants us to do. And in the same way, there are benefits of praising God. I'm just going to rush through very quickly. The first one here that I have written here says that physical expressions have spiritual consequences. Do we remember when the children of Israel were out and they were, they were about to go to a battle and uh, Joshua was going to lead them and Moses went up a mountain and every single time that Moses lifted up his hands, what would happen? The children of Israel would prevail. They would win in battle. And he was holding up his hands for a long time. And he started getting tired. And I guess he went from the high mast to, <laughs> to something like that. And as his hands were going lower, the children of Israel started losing in battle. And Aaron and her, they, they observed this. And what did they do? They ended up supporting up his hands 
which shows that as he, was, he had his hands lifted up in praises to God, Israel was overcoming. I like a quote that Zachnis said. He said, the difference between victory and defeat could just be this. Just lifting up of your hands to praise God. Amen? Physical expressions have spiritual consequences. And you'd find that story in Exodus chapter 17, verse 8 to 13. The next benefit is that praise silences the enemy. You know, one of our biggest enemies is doubt. It creeps in and it just keeps talking. And then doubt leads to fear. But if when doubt starts creeping in, you're very quick to stop it in its track with the praises of our Lord God Almighty, the enemy is silenced. Let's look at Psalm, Psalm 8, verses 1 to 2. It says, Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Through what? The praise of children and infants. We'll come back to that later, but it is important to note that it says through the praise of children and infants. That is important because if you've ever seen a child praise, it is with abandon. That child doesn't care who's by my side on the right or to the left. That child doesn't care if I can sing or cannot sing. That child just praises God. It is with total shamelessness, if I can put it that way. And that is the kind of praise that establishes a stronghold against, your en against God's enemies, and God's enemies are our enemies, to silence the foe and the avenger. Praise is an antidote for depression. Again, depression mostly rises from doubts, which leads to fear, that you're not good enough, you're a terrible person, nothing good can come out of you, your God can't help you. Those are the kind of thoughts that come in that leads to depression. But when you're able to rise up and praise, very quickly, those words get silenced. And by God's grace, you won't even get into depression. And if you were or are already in it, if you choose to praise God with the careless abandon of a child and just praise God, that depression would leave you in Jesus' name. And praise is evangelistic. You know, like we already said here, you can't praise without expressing you cannot praise without expressing. When you express, someone's going to be seeing you. The person beside you will see you. And if that person doesn't have anything or knowledge of God, through that, they will get the knowledge of God. It is evangelistic. Psalm 42-3, if we can go to that real quick. 
So he lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to sound. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Hallelujah. So how do we praise God? You know, I, remember, I, I know Tara already uh, touched on this about our identity. And that is our kingdom identity. But when we want to look at our physical identity, I would say, oh, you're Canadian, I'm Nigerian, uh, you're Chinese, you're, you know. And I could go, oh, man. Back in Nigeria, the way we praise and sing and dance and, yeah. And we could go here in Estevan, we're really reserved and calm, you know. But all that is human culture. <laughs> I'm just checking that I'm, I'm, I'm good with time, but I, I have to really round up real quickly here. Okay. But like I said, all that is human culture. It's you're Chinese, so you don't, you know, dance as loud or sing as loud. You're whatever. Question is, what does the Bible say about praise? And how does the Bible record praises? You cannot praise God without expressing it. And one of the forms of expressing our praises to God is in dancing. When was the last time you danced to God? This morning, I'm going to be inviting Brandy to just talk to us a little bit about dancing. Let's welcome her. expression to God, using your body in a way to express your love and your adoration to the Lord. I've been dancing for the Lord for probably about since my 20s, and I'm 40 now, so it's been a while. Uh, and I've danced with African people, I've danced with Indian people, I've danced all over the world, and the expression of dance is absolutely for everyone. Um, my, the biggest obstacle in the realm of praising the Lord through your body is pride and the fear of man. And those are not who we are. We are children of God. They are not obstacles for children of God. So for my brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, you can use the, the realm of dance to, of course, worship God, but you can also use it as a form of spiritual warfare because you're coming against the world's view of who you are. 
a person doesn't dance and isn't abandoned to things, especially Canadians. We do not do that. We are very prim. We are of British stock, most of us. So we, <laughs> so we, don't, we don't do that. Uh, and the Scots, too. Yes, they do a jig, but mostly they're very reserved. So we need to abandon ourselves and die to the, what we feel is our culture and have the culture of heaven. And so, yeah, I want to um, let you all know, I have been teaching a class for five years, and I've only had one to three people come and join me. Um, Charmian and I have uh, decided that this year we're going to do it on Thursdays so that we can have a form of worship dance also with the worship team here on Thursdays. And we can use that time to pray together with the worship team. And we know what um, songs are going to be played. And so we can intercede uh, in dance and we can help express with the worship team together on Thursdays. So we will be doing it every every other Thursday, um, starting this Thursday. So I want to invite you to come. If you want to know more about this, if you want to practice this, because it takes practice. It takes practice to die to yourself and your flesh in this way. And I want to welcome you to come any age. If you can do this, if you can do this, if you can do this, you can dance for the Lord. You can do anything with your body. Any movement you can do with your body, you can do for the Lord. So, yeah, welcome you to come, and I'll just give this back to you. Yeah, thank you very much, Brandy. And just to back that up with a scripture, if we can very quickly go to Second Samuel chapter, 16, chapter 6, verse 14 to 22. This, I'll, I'll just touch on it. This basically just talks about David and when he went to get the, the ark back to Israel. And he just talks about how he danced and just danced and just danced. And to the point that his wife called it shameless dancing. And he said, you know what? If you say I'm shameless, I don't mind because I dance before the Lord. Amen? And you know the most interesting thing that I find is if we could just skip over to 2 Samuel chapter 7 verse 1. I know I didn't put that in my list, but if we could just skip over to that real quickly. Or I'll really share out on my, on my phone. I really like what, after, you know, the episode of David dancing, 2 Samuel chapter 7. It's really interesting what it started with. It says, after the king was settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him. Praise God. Do you think it's a coincidence that this is coming right after the episode of his shameless dancing? I don't think so. I think that is dancing before the Lord and his huge expression of praise to the Lord opened up a door for him 
and that led to him having rest from all his enemies all around him. Another way to praise God is shouting and singing aloud. Amen? It's, uh, I don't think it's a coincidence as well that in, in, in this past week, I, I know I've had conversations with at least two people in our congregation here who have just told me, oh, you know, I try not to sing too loud in church because of the people beside me, <laughs> just so that, you know. But the truth is this. As long as you've got a voice, on key, off key, thin, deep, whatever, sing out to the Lord. And sing out aloud to the Lord. I'll tell you this, and I believe all the worship leaders here would agree with me that any time that we, we, we're leading worship here and we hear the voice of everyone in church just singing back the songs, there is a way it lifts your spirit. There is a way it just tends to shift the atmosphere to a greater level. And I don't think at that point anyone is wondering, oh, are you singing on key or off key? No. And like we said, it's about just praising God in that, in that childlike manner and just giving praise to God. Don't think about the person to your left or the person to your right because the person you're praising is right up. And that is God. And the Bible is replete with tons of scripture that talks about how people, you know, lifted up their voice and just praise God. And the one that we already kind of addressed this morning is the uplifted hands. Yada, that is the translation of Judah in Hebrew, is Yada. And from what I've learned, it actually literally translates to throwing up or heaping up praises to God with uplifted hands. Amen? So if you ever wanted confirmation that it's okay to lift up your hands in the church and praise God, that is your confirmation. And then another form of expression is bowing and kneeling before God. It is an expression. However you're feeling on the inside of you, express it. Do you feel like shouting? Shout out loud. Do you feel like dancing? Dance like no one's watching. Do you feel like bowing and kneeling? Go ahead and do that. Because it is all between you and God. Amen? And in conclusion... I'll just read this, and thank you so much for finding this, because <laughs> this was really what I, I was wondering how I'd be able to get. But conclusion, there is power in praise when done right. We ought to praise God freely without fear or worry of what the next person might think. We are, we are only to think about what our God thinks. This, the church, is a safe space for you to practice praise. 
Because when you can praise God in the church, it becomes easier for you to praise him out of the church. Expressing your adoration of God as you truly want. Shamelessly, just like David, when he danced before the Lord. Praise God with the abandon of a child. And hear what the Bible says about the praise of a child. Let's read again Psalm 8 verse 2. says, through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Praise God. Amen. <laughs> All right. So, how about we do a little bit of practice this morning? Oh, come on. How about we do a little bit of practice this morning of praising like a child? Yeah? <laughs> you all know that song. Um, okay, we're just trying to get it right here. <laughs> okay, so this morning, we all know the, the, the children's song. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. We're halfway there, yeah. Okay, so we're going to make it a little bit interesting this morning. If you could, you know what, actually, let everyone remain seated. And then, basically, Tara would sing, she would take charge of that row. I would take, you know, charge of the two middle rows, and Jessica would take control of that side. And, basically, when she sings, you join her to sing. When I sing, you join me to sing and stand up, right? And then when you're done singing, you sit back down. If you've not had your exercises before, Today, that's a good exercise yeah. there. And then when Jessica sings as well, you do the same. Are we ready? Okay, wait. Yeah. To, be, to be a little competitive, that. there's not as many people over that's here as true. there is there. <laughs> 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 so well, why don't we do these two sections? Are you guys going to be loud? You're going to help me? Okay. You're going to be okay. real loud? Okay, great. Okay, we're going to do the hallelujahs. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Yeah. So you guys have to be really loud. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. then you guys are praise ye the Lord. And okay. Then we we will the two middle rows will do praise okay. ye the Lord. <laughs> Let me yeah? hear you guys. Okay, good? are you guys ready? Are ready and, to go? And please don't bother about singing on or off key. We right now we We're just want to sing like amazing <laughs> children in the presence okay, of God. Are you guys God. ready to shout? Okay. Hallelujah. 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 Yeah. Praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah, 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 Awesome. Thank you all so much. And I hope that we carry that spirit through every single one of our. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I think the yas won. <laughs> I am so sorry. I spent so much time preparing for last week that I'm not prepared for today at all. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I am kind of prepared. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, it, to just echo what everybody else has been saying, 
Um, it was really awesome training. Can I use this? <laughs> Thank you. Um, and I just, I really enjoyed it. We had done some training with Zach Neese like years ago um, with one of his old materials. Um, and this was new and he echoed a lot of the same things. So it kind of felt like I was hearing things I'd heard before, but just kind of getting it in my mind again. So we've heard about what our role is as priests. We've heard about... Um, from Isaiah, the expressions of praise. And I'm not going to talk very long, but I want to share a couple things on, um, it's kind of like, who are we worshiping, right? I know that might sound really obvious. Of course, we're worshiping God. That's who our worship is for. But if we're really honest, sometimes I think we get a little bit confused as to who this is all for, you know? And so a couple weeks ago, some of you may have been here, I shared at the beginning of my worship set um, a quote by a worship leader called Rick Pino. And the quote that he had said was, if you have ever said, I didn't get anything out of worship today, you worshiped for the wrong reason. Because worship isn't about all God has for us, it's about all we have for him. So when we were going through this training with Zach, um, some of the things he was talking about reminded me of that. And so I just want to read Psalm uh, chapter 95, verse 6. It says, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. There's that expression again. Expressions of worship, bowing down, right? Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. So bowing and kneeling, talking about the expressions. And it's, it's for our Lord, right? And so Zach had this one quote before he told this really, like, amazing story. He said, I like to remind myself I'm not God and I'm not king. And he went on to tell this story about when he had just gotten saved. He was in a church service and he was like, I loved Jesus, but I, I just, I, like he didn't quite really understand what was happening around him. And he was in a, a worship service and he can see this person over here raising their hands and this person over here crying and laughing and this person dancing and he was like I was just judging everything I was just like what are they doing you know can anyone relate to that I mean I, I'm gonna be honest you know or the music you know you're sitting there like oh my gosh that person can't sing you know <laughs> right <laughs> so we judge right and so he was doing this he was judging this worship service and then he said he felt someone push him back and he was like whoa, like he didn't like to be touched. So he was like, who pushed me? So he opens his eyes or whatever. He looks around. He's like, I can't, he, I can't see anyone. He, he could not tell who pushed him. And he's like, I know someone pushed me because he said he like rocked back on his feet. And then he heard the voice of the Lord say to him, the voice said, that is not yours to judge. Whew, right? Isn't that the truth? This is not ours to judge. Your expression of worship is not mine to judge. It's for God. It's not for me, right? And so, and I mean, I don't know. If someone is having a heart problem, leave that between them and God. You don't know if it's hypocritical or not, right? And I've really had to learn that. And so just to kind of add to what um, Isaiah was saying, when it comes to those expressions of worship, it, it mirrors the posture of our hearts, right? So when we bow, it's because we're posturing our body to match the posture of our hearts. If we're laying out flat on the floor, it's because we're so in awe of the lordship and the kingship of Jesus that you're on your face. I mean, how would you act if you're going to meet the queen, right? You'd be all like, oh my goodness, like, 
he'd be so deferential, right? Like, it's the same. <laughs> I mean, not me. I wouldn't be nervous. But anyway, <laughs> but it's the posture of our hearts. And if you want to know what the posture of God's heart is toward us, then look at the cross. Look at the gospel. That's the posture of God's heart. He didn't kind of hem and haw and be like, oh, okay, I guess, Jesus, you can go save them. No, it was this radical, amazing action, right? So it's the same for us. There has to be an action, right? And so one other quote I just want to share, and I touched on it last week when I was preaching, and it was something I took away from his teaching. Um, And it said, um, you worship what you enthrone. So what are we enthroning, right? Are we enthroning ourselves? Are we enthroning the music? It's really easy to get confused, right? Like that's not that's not what we worship. When we put him on the throne and he comes first, then everything just kind of flows from there. I just want to read John chapter 4, <clears throat> excuse me, verse 23. And this was Jesus talking. He says, "The hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. So just to kind of come back around to what Tara said, we are born of spirit. So we worship the Father in spirit, not in our flesh, right? In spirit and truth. And just um, a couple more things here. Um, One thing that really stuck with me was when Zach kind of explained um, kind of the three elements of worship. So love, lordship, and expression. So we love God, so we want to worship him, right? We recognize his lordship, and so we are deferential to that. And then there's an expression. But you need those three things all together, right? If you just come from a place of love, then you end up with empty emotionalism. If you just come from a place of just lordship, then you can have dead religion. And if it's just expression, then you end up with hypocrisy. Because if you're expressing something that you don't mean right? So when you have those three things, you end up with the first commandment, which is found in Mark chapter 12, verse 30. And that says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. So love, Lord, and then the expression, right? So essentially the first commandment is worship. And I thought that was a really amazing, powerful thing that he had shared. So I just want to encourage you. Um, I think we're going back into a song, right? So as we sing this song, let's let's be really mindful who this is for. I know it sounds really obvious, but it's not for us, even though there are lots of benefits. Isaiah said there were benefits to praise. There is. God loves us. He has good things for us. But this is not for us. It's for him. And we need to just throw ourselves at the feet of Jesus because he is king and he is Lord. And if he was standing here right now in his full form, you'd be on your face, right? So let's do it. Amen. Why don't you stand? Thank you, Jesus.
more teaching and then we're going to worship again. Good morning. Um, never been in this spot before, but I'm excited to, to share with you what we've been learning about. Um, I just want to open what I'm going to say in prayer here. Jesus. God, we want to thank you this morning. We thank you for who you are, God, that you are Lord. We thank you for your presence, God that we are priests and we can be in your presence, God. Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Um, so this morning, um, I wanted to talk about um, intimacy and submission in worship. Um, so these two acts go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. Um, and true worship contains both. Um, so in Matthew 22, verse 37, uh, Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. So it's not just love with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. And it's not love a Lord with your heart, soul, and mind. It's love the Lord. He is the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. Um, and it's important to remember that in worship. So the word intimacy has been kind of... Um, hijacked by society to mean something shallow and physical. Um, so I looked up a couple definitions, and it actually, it means a state marked by emotional closeness or closeness and openness. Intimacy with God is to truly know God and to be known by him. Not just your name, but who you are. Um, God wants his bride. He wants a relationship with us. Um, Exodus 29, verse 44 to 46, um, says, uh, Yes, I will consecrate the tabernacle and the altar, and I will consecrate Aaron and his sons to serve me as priests. Then I will live among the people of Israel and be their God. And they will know that I am the Lord their God. I am the one who brought them out of the land of Egypt so that I could live among them. I am the Lord their God. God wants to live with us and dwell with us. The neat thing about an intimate relationship with God is as soon as you get comfortable, there's more to see. We can constantly grow in intimacy and in understanding his glory. So how do we enter into this level of intimacy? Um, Psalm 100 verse 4 says, To enter his gates with thanksgiving, go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. His gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Thanksgiving is our key. Thanks to him. Praise his name. Gratitude is an integral part of our worship. Thank you is part of our worship. Remembrance of what happened, what he did, is crucial for that gratitude in our worship. Jesus submitted himself on the altar of the cross so we don't have to. Um, Ephesians 1 verse 7 to 8 says... He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. 
How overwhelming is that? Can we just go back to verse 7? He purchased our freedom with the blood of his son. Sorry. We hear John 3.16 a lot, that he gave a son, and I think it's easy to take that for granted sometimes. But it's so overwhelming. If you embrace these facts, it transforms your life. These transformations lead to submission. Submission is part of our worship. Submit means to come under, to yield to a superior authority. Um, when I was, I grew up around some dominant personalities, um, and as some of you know, I'm pretty strong-willed. Um, so submitting didn't come easy. I, I associated it negatively. I saw it to mean like to be controlled or abused, which it doesn't mean that. God is a loving father. Jesus is coming back for a bride that passionately, head over heels, is excited for his coming. Jesus died on the cross because I have a father who wants to know me. But if you have affection without submission, you're missing an important aspect of worship. The worshiper says, if you gave your life for me, I will live my life for you. Living our life for God isn't for our salvation. We don't need to earn brownie points or do enough good things. We just need to accept the invitation into intimacy and submit ourselves to his authority. I submit a sacrifice because he is worthy. Romans 12.1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. The cross is that mercy of God in there. It's the mercy and love of God. Submit your bodies. This is worship. Jesus lived his entire life in submission to his father. John 17 is all about Jesus's intimacy, dependency, and submission to his father. And in verse 26, it says, I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them so that he may be in us. Matthew 26, 39 says, He went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Did Jesus want to be crucified? He says, Let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. But... Then he says, not my will, but yours be done. That is submission. That is true worship. Kingdom culture does not and will not submit to a culture we've created. We need to submit to kingdom culture. His will, not ours. John twenty-nine or 3, verse 29 to 30. Uh, it is the bridegroom who marries the bride. And the bridegroom's friend is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. John says, I must decrease so he may increase. Submission. Worship. The minute we forget the sacrifice of Christ is the minute we stop living our life for him. The cross isn't just an event. It's not just something that happened. It's who he is. 
and we want to remember. Submission is the essence of holiness, and holiness is being set apart for God. If I'm not hearing God, I need to back up to my submission. Where is my holiness? I need to be for something besides me. I need to be for God. If I'm having problems with my thoughts, words, action, time, I need to submit them to God. Submit your authority. Our worship should glorify him. Because you gave your life for me, I will live my life for you. He didn't and isn't holding back, so why am I? I must decrease so he may increase. Amen. Just as Rebecca was reading that one verse, I was reminded that what we went through and the teaching that we had, going through all the the Old Testament meanings of worship and the New Testament. And it's really interesting that in the Old Testament, there was, mean, there was words that meant they bowed and they, they knelt on the ground in, in worship. But Jesus demonstrated, New Testament, Jesus with his face to the ground. He demonstrated the ultimate sacrifice on the cross for us. And he worshiped his father. We're going to go into communion now, and we're going to do it a little different this morning. Uh, We celebrated communion before the service together as a team, and we're actually going to sing a song while you guys are going to do communion. Communion is another expression of worship. As we do it in remembrance of him, So if there's anyone that doesn't have one of the cups and the crackers on the top, you have to like rip it open, you can get it ready. We're going to go into communion here. You guys can, as a couple, as a family, or even if you just want to do it, just you personally with the Lord, this is just another act of worship that we're going to sing and we're going to worship, but you guys partake in communion as we sing this song. But as we go into that, as Rebecca was talking about submission, I'm just going to just say this prayer. I want you to close your eyes. I want to posture yourselves in a way of submission, whether you want to have your hands open, whatever it is. We're going to say this prayer of submission. I submit myself to you, Jesus. I don't want to forget your sacrifice. Because you gave your life for me, I will live my life for you. God, remind me of the cross. Father, show me your son's sacrifice. Show me your love poured out. I want to remember your crown of thorns. You did not deserve a crown of thorns. You deserve the crown of glory. And because you wore the crown of thorns, I submit my mind to you. I submit my thoughts to you and my imaginations and my authority to you in Jesus' name. I submit to you, my King. I remember your hands nailed to the cross. So God, I submit my hands to you. I submit the work of my hands to you and whatever I touch, God, I submit that to you. I submit my actions to you, Jesus. Jesus, be King and Lord of my hands. 
Father, your feet were nailed to the cross, so I submit my feet to you, Lord. Your word says that you lead me in paths of righteousness, so Jesus, lead me wherever, whatever direction you want me to come. Your heart was pierced for me, so I submit my heart, my soul, my mind, my emotions, and my will to you. Whatever burns in your heart, Lord, let it burn in mine. Your eyes, Jesus, you looked on your accusers. Now I submit my eyes to you. Lord, your beard was ripped out and your mouth was punched, so I submit my mouth to you and the words of my mouth to you. You had to listen to mockery from the people around you. Lord, I submit my ears to you. I want to hear what you hear. Give me prophetic ears to hear and understand you. Lord, you hung naked in humiliation. So even my most private parts, I submit to you. May my whole being bring you honor today, God. All of you was given for all of me. So I give myself in worship to you today. And as we partake in communion today, Father, we remember the sacrifice that you gave. We submit to you in Jesus' name.
Thank you for the price that you paid. Bearing all my sin and shame, in love you came and gave amazing grace. Thank you for this love, Lord. Thank you for your nail-pierced hands. You washed me in your glancing flow. And now all I know, your forgiveness and embrace. Worthy is the Lamb, seated on the throne. Jesus, we crown, we crown you now with many
surrounding me Let it break At your name still Call the sea to still The rage in me to still Every wave At your name Jesus, Jesus You make the darkness tremble Jesus, Jesus You silence fear Jesus, Jesus You make the darkness tremble Jesus, Jesus Breathe Call these bones to live Call these lungs to sing I will praise Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus, you silence fear, Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus, you silence fear. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus, your name is light that the shadows can't deny your name cannot be overcome your name is alive forever lifted high your name cannot be overcome Jesus Jesus you make the darkness tremble Jesus, Jesus, you silence fear. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus,
bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, have a wonderful week. Bless you.